When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can't imagine you rioting. How would Mike? How would Mike Leach riot? I think I think a portion of rioting is. I think there's a portion of it where it must actually be kind of fun um, because <laughs> it certainly doesn't seem to be hard to coax these people to do it. It's like when I was in Berkeley one time. Um, I was in Berkeley uh, recruiting. I mean, then I was, I'm trying to think where I was coaching. I think I was at the University of Kentucky, but we were driving through Berkeley, um, recruiting, and, um, you know, all the traffic stopped, and there's police out there in riot gear, and there's all these uh, students and people holding hands and centipeding through traffic, and this was years ago. So I rolled down the window, and I said, um, you know, to the, one of the people filing through, I said, Hey, so what's going on? And the guy says, I don't know. We're protesting something. And I go, really? What are you protesting? He goes, I think it has something to do with Nicaragua. I don't know for sure, but it's fun. Anyway, we just started. Maybe once we get closer to the front, um, we can find out what we're protesting. But it's pretty fun anyway, and this goes on around here all the time. I mean, there's a point to where some of the protesting is recreational, and um, for various reasons, I think that people don't particularly care. Um, you know, so, um, yeah. Uh, but anyways, those were happy protesters. Uh and, you know, obviously you want to discourage violent protest because that isn't good for anybody. How did you handle the SID work? Because you got, you got banned, the quote I see, the Luther Campbell of Iowa, right? Yeah, it was like being two live crew. What happened? Well, you know, there, there really not much to anything. I mean, basically what happens, I was SID, you know, because at those small colleges, they'll stack a bunch of jobs together. You know, it was virtually impossible to teach a class, to be sports information director, coach football and recruit. There was a lady who ran the PR department, the campus PR department, and she had some notion. I mean, personally, I think she was just into power, but and, <laughs> and this was the whole power trip with her, but... So as SID, you know, after you play a game, people are extremely excited to hear, you know, what happened with the game. And the Des Moines Register would want to know our scores and maybe a highlighter stat or two. The Hawkeye and the Burlington newspaper. And, and you know, they all wanted uh, to know something. And so, I mean, they would call and ask me. What her thing was, the PR lady, what she said is that, uh, well, in Iowa, we have a lot of weekly newspapers, and it's not fair. I mean, and this is totally irrational to me. If uh, the daily newspapers get the information before the weekly newspapers, and I'm thinking, well, of course it's fair. You know, I mean, if you want information more often, be it be a daily newspaper. So her idea was, is I was supposed to write up 
you know, do some in-depth newsletter, and then I was supposed to mail it out. Game's over Friday night. I get the thing written Sunday, say. Goes in the mail Monday. By Wednesday or Thursday, these guys are getting the, the release on the game that was the previous Saturday, and we're a lot closer to the next game than we were that last game. And nobody cares about a score that old. They moved on to some other score. So what would happen was uh, these newspapers would call, and I would tell them, I'd give them the stats of the game. I'd give them the score of the game. I knew she didn't like it, but I would do it anyway because they needed it. We wanted publicity, and I felt like our players and our team and our and our kids who were doing some great things are uh, out there on the field uh, deserved the recognition that went along with it. So the whole thing was insane. And then there's a column in USA Today, which this would be a huge deal if you're at Iowa Wesley. And I'm quarterback Dustin Dewald was breaking all kinds of records and uh, passing records. So we are in USA Today all the time. She calls up and finds out, you know, I'm giving them the scores, mainly because she read it in USA Today and probably heard of that it was in USA Today, you know. And she just comes over and she's madder than a hornet. I mean, she's just screaming and, you know, you did this and this and she you know, starts swearing. This is BS, you know, and I go, I go, listen, the SID office got Iowa Wesleyan in USA Today three times. I said, your office couldn't get Iowa Wesleyan into USA Today unless there was a mass murder on campus. And <laughs> <laughs> so she was not happy. And um, anyway, so, yeah, that's how that went. So I didn't have to be SID too much longer after that. And, and, and then I still, and the funny thing is they still called me. Uh-huh. And I still, ta- I still told them scores and stats. Coach, did you see on Twitter yesterday somebody got real busy superimposing coaches of the SEC and other conferences on, on, uh, on females? Yeah, oh yeah, I saw that. What what'd you th- what'd you think of your portrait? Well, some of them are trying to dress their guys up uh, a little more than I am. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, some of them look sluttier than others. Um, uh, you know, I still had uh, very much a mas- uh, masculine quality, so I did appreciate that part of my uh, of my uh, caricature of uh, that. Well, so you're telling me you you wouldn't dress as conservatively? Um, well, I'd probably dress like I do now, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, and I would, I would probably dress as like I do now, but I, I I'd be lying if I didn't see my sisters a little bit in uh, sure. in uh, <laughs> that picture of me when they turned me into a woman. You know, Coach, give me the story behind the nickname given to Chris Peterson, the Washington coach, the Bishop. And did Mike Riley ever have a nickname while in the Pac-12? I'm going to have to think about Mike Riley's nickname. Mike Riley was, I guess, kind of one of the elder statesmen in the Pac-12. And so, you know, you proceeded with respect around him. And he's, he's a fun guy to talk to. Mike Riley's always in a good mood, which is unusual for football coaches. Um and um, and I don't know how that deal got out on Chris Peterson because it was kind of quiet talk among coaches, and then somehow I got asked about it before we played him. Um, but I was there when the deal started, and um, and so uh, you know we're sitting around talking, and 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 Chris Peterson's got a great personality, and you know and on. on 
the TV, sometimes he looks a little stiff, but he's got a fabulous personality. He's got a great sense of humor. And he, uh, we're talking about how, you know, all our parents always told us to act more like guys like Chris Peterson. And, you know, why can't we be more like Chris Peterson, which is a fact. I mean, and so then um, there's three guys there with Mormon backgrounds, me, uh, Kyle Whittingham, and Gary Anderson. And then before long, um, we start talking about, you know, how he looks more Mormon than we do because, you know, he's a very straight-looking guy. And, I mean, that's a compliment. I mean, we, we've, <laughs> we've tried to achieve that and uh, evidently failed to, at least according to my parents, I failed to. And then, um, well, what office would he be in? Well, we all agreed that Chris Peterson would be the bishop, and he looks like a lot of bishops we've had throughout the years. So that's how he became the bishop. I don't know how it leaked out after that, but, um, um, you know, he's a very distinguished, upstanding guy and an example to all, which, uh, you know, some qualities that Chris has, I'm going to try to measure up to. Coach, I want to ask you about, okay, I'm looking at your Twitter feed, and you sent out a tweet a while back about haunted highways and byways. Have you ever stayed in a haunted house? Shoot, I think my mother-in-law's house is haunted, but um, the and she's a great lady. Okay, but there's this <laughs> one bedroom that's got some uh, wild stuff. What, what, but, what's uh, what's gone on? What happened there? Oh, you know, just uh, I guess the furniture belonged to a relative and stuff, and it's really more of a vibe than anything else. But there was there was a room. I stayed in at the Roosevelt Hotel years ago in Los Angeles. It's in Hollywood, the mm-hmm. Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And um, the person at the desk said that the room was supposed to be haunted. And then, um, you know, I, I stayed up all night hoping I'd see something. I didn't stay up all night. I mean, I'd sleep and try to pretend to sleep so the ghost would think I was asleep so so I could catch them. But no such luck. I think the ghosts are onto those that, uh, that want to see them. And uh, so I think they make it difficult. Um, but uh, now I never saw a ghost there, but the room's supposed to be haunted. And uh, people, I guess, have either run out of that room because they had a bad experience or try to rent that room because they're hoping they see one. Uh, me, I just got there late. and That's all that was left. And they were trying to not rent it. But I already had a reservation and there was a certain amount of negotiation between the girl, uh, the girl at the desk, and the manager as to whether they're going to let me in there because I guess somebody had a tough time and left or something. And uh, but you know, I'm stuck there in L.A. at 10 p.m. Have to get up early in the morning, and it's hard enough to get hotels as it was. And I just made it clear I was going to either sleep in their lobby or I was going to sleep in the room that uh, they promised me that I'd reserved two weeks before, and so. They sent me up to the haunted room, and we had an agreement that, um, that um, you know, if I got scared and ran out of the room, then I took my own chances, and, um, and uh, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. And so, I don't know. I didn't get to see. I, I, I didn't see anything. And so then, but it was a really cool room. I mean, it was a cool, old, old Hollywood room, like from the standpoint, you walked into it. It had a great view. Looked down Hollywood Strip. Uh, down the street, uh, Hollywood Boulevard, across the street, Men's Chinese Theater. Okay, then the other thing, it was one of those that you walk in, 
and there's like a sitting room. It's like a suite. So there's okay. a sitting room with this old furniture, really cool moldings on the wall, and actually a library, kind of a, a library, okay? And then um, um, there was a fireplace, which hasn't been uh, used in years, and it did cross my mind how much fun it would be to go find some wood and stoke up that fireplace, but I imagine they'd get upset. And um, and then uh, the bathroom, you know, kind of those chicken wire floors, those old sure. fixtures, um, you know, some marble countertop, uh, you know, one of those big tubs with the, the, the feet and everything. And uh, uh, anyway, so the bed, again, was right on the corner, kind of an upper corner of that hotel where one window's looking right down the uh, the boulevard and the others right across the street. So it was a very cool setting. Um, you know, as far as the ghosts, well, from my experience, maybe not as many ghosts as advertised, but still a great room. And I forget which one it is, but if you can get in there, uh, get in there, and I highly recommend it. Do you recall a good dirt clawed fight you were in at a construction site? Oh, they were, well, they were all the time. I mean, they were like, uh, you know, uh, summer, not summer until it got too cold. I mean, it was, they were pretty year round until it got too cold because Wyoming, it would get cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I'm not kidding you. They were fantastic. I mean, uh, the whole neighborhood would show up, you know, and because um, you had natural cover. I mean, you know, later on, they sophisticated this whole dirt clawed war stuff. And, you know, and instead of throwing things, they uh, and invented guns and they called it paintball. You know what right. I mean? Yes. Um, so it was basically the, the primitive form of paintball. As a matter of fact, I think it'd be fair to say that me and kids in my neighborhood had a little something to do with inventing paintball. But um, the uh, I'm not kidding you. It'd be the whole neighborhood, and I'm sure there are other neighborhoods back then that did it, but it'd be the whole neighborhood. And we'd get out there, and then you'd have the hills from where, you know, they dug stuff up, or there's a foundation. And I'm not saying there's 100% that safe. There could be nails or, you know, shredded metal somewhere or something like that, but you know, you'd had a, uh, ammunition laying all over the ground, and then obviously there was a sense of fair play to the thing. Like, um, like first of all, if uh, 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 you know, you know, you didn't select uh, dirt clods that were too big. Sure. Uh, rocks were forbidden, um, and then you know, let's say if somebody was smaller. You didn't try to massacre them, but if somebody was bigger in particular, if you didn't like them, you would try to slaughter them. And then, um, uh, but, you know, all kinds of cover, you know, sneaking around and just letting it fly. Sometimes you'd play teams. Sometimes it's just a free-for-all, you know, whoever you could get, whenever you could get them. But it was a fantastic time. I think it did a good job of working movement. And and, uh, I think it also, I'll tell you this, I really do think this, it taught an awful lot of kids to throw. You know, that wouldn't necessarily be any good at throwing. I thought it was great. And um, I actually miss it. We ought to go back to that. But the, um, uh, it, but it would be like every day. Set up a uh, coach, know, set, a, set up a league. Set up, set up, set up a league. Like Cowboys and Indians, or you could be, uh, 
you know, uh, you could be like Star Trek, you know, it could be a whole Star Trek scenario. There's a very vivid imagination wrapped up in this thing incorporated with, uh, but some, somewhere, somewhere involved in the thing is going to be, uh, you know, there would be basis for war and, and, and it involved dirt cloths. Coach, uh, I want to wrap up, and you Hefner passed away last night, yesterday. In your time coaching, did you ever make the trip to the mansion as part of the Playboy All-American team? I had I had some Playboy All-Americans. I've never uh, made it to the mansion. I don't really recall them inviting me, but I do know some guys that are on that committee. I would I would have liked to have, I'd like to see the property for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because it's a real cool looking property. I would have liked to have gone. I've never been invited to the to the Playboy Mansion though. No, yeah, well, me neither. Uh, I got a buddy named Ted who got in one time. The pajama party, I guess that was pretty cool. Uh, what did he say? Well, what did he say it was like? Because first of all, the photographs well, like it's a real cool property. I've heard that you know. I guess since there's so many people coming and going, that you know, it's got kind of some outdated stuff or whatever. But I heard the food's outstanding. He said the food was great. He knew the bartender. He uh, enjoyed that. Obviously, scenery was good. Uh, it was just a good time. That. That's, that's all I've been able to get out of him. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So um, maybe we can buy it and open a bed and breakfast there or something. Done. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, talk to the wife about that one. When did the rollerblade phase begin and were you able to stay stay upright? I mean, at least avoid oh, yeah. a- avoid the you bumps know, and bruises. I was actually pretty good at I mean, not some do a flip or tricks or anything, but... Um, um, you know, I grew up skiing and that type of thing and could ice skate. So it really, it didn't take too long. Um, you know, uh, but I'll tell you, it's, uh, concrete's a, a different surface than ice, for example. Like ice, uh, you know, ice, you hit it and then, you know, you go whizzing along the surface without, uh, tumbling and getting hung up, you know, um. No, I, uh, and I, uh, like, uh, you know, some of these guys will not wear the pads. I don't fully understand that. I'm going to wear the pads, mm. especially the knee pads and the hand pads. But, uh, and, yeah, you know, I don't go down very often, but when I, when I have gone down, I was sure glad I had those suckers on. That's uh, the and, w- way to be. <laughs> well, because what'll happen, what it does is, you know, because the, the, the knee pads and the hand pads are kind of hard surfaced. And so then when you hit the asphalt or concrete, it'll shoot you along it kind of like you would on ice naturally. And, um, but, uh, no, my deal was, uh, you know, the thing was, I went to, uh, for a while, it was like anytime I went out, I wanted to go six miles. And I always felt like Six miles on rollerblades equaled approximately three miles running, uh-huh. except for I felt like you got better ab work with the rollerblades. If you had to choose, were you a cherry bomb guy, an M80 guy, or a bottle rocket guy? Bottle rockets all the way. Um, and this isn't really a very good idea, but uh, uh, this really isn't a great idea, but it was pretty common where I grew up. You get those bottle rockets, and... You know, you cruise up and down Main Street, and, and while or you might get in a field or whatever, but you and, and I, I don't recommend this. I do not really like the beginning of the Jackass, the show Jackass. This is not recommended at home. I mean, this was done by professionals, all that. So we had uh, 
you get those uh, bottle rockets and you learn how to hold them just so at the very end, so you can kind of fire them out of your hand. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so you'd light them and have wars with those suckers. And, uh, and uh, you know, occasionally you'd go down Main Street and see your buddy's car and fire that sucker inside the car, and that bottle rocket would go all around the car and then, of course, explode, and there'd be paper and smoke inside the car. <laughs> And, um, the, uh, uh, it was great fun. Now, the other thing, let me just say, occasionally, um, uh, these bottle rockets aren't made by rocket scientists. No. And, uh, occasionally these bottle rockets are loaded backwards. In other words, the bottle rocket's supposed to fly, you know, go shh, fly, and then explode, okay? Now, occasionally they're loaded backwards. Somebody put the thing on upside down. And you're going to like that fuse and go, shit, and it just explodes. And so then the sucker explodes while it's in your hand. You're just sitting there holding a stick. So, um, again, I, tell you, I do not recommend this. I mean, there's a reason fireworks are against the law in most states. But, uh, anyways, it was, uh, it was fun at the time. No, uh, no cherry bomb, uh, porta potty story either. You had to, you know, you could get those, but you had to search around because they, um, I, I don't know that they were frowned on, or um, I don't know if they were frowned on or illegal or just rare. The other thing, some of the M80s that I had, they'd be loaded in such thick paper, like in other words, kind of cardboard. Um, you know, there wasn't as much action to them as, say, really good, like uh, uh, black caps, you right. know, really good firecrackers. Uh, we, we used to do this, and, uh, and it'd be surprising how much power there'd be. You'd get like a tuna can, light a black cat, put a tuna can over it, and clear away, and it would shoot that tuna can up in the air. <laughs> and I mean high. It would shoot it higher than the roof type of deal. I got to ask you, have you thought about going and seeing Guns N' Roses? Where are they playing? I mean, I've never seen them. I, uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite. Here's a good Guns N' Roses story. <laughs> okay, and and, uh, and not too far from you guys there in Lincoln. Okay, so uh, where are they playing? Where are they playing? They're in California now, but it's a it's a whole. They're in Mexico, Mexico City. The next couple of days, they'll be in Detroit. They're heading to the East Coast and then the South. I think they're in Seattle, actually, in August. And you know, the Rolling Stones were just in Cuba. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, free concert in Cuba, several hundred thousand there. Then the Stones just said they'd never played Cuba and just wanted to. But uh, And I know a couple guys that went. But anyway, um, Guns N' Roses, okay, that reminds me. Okay, so uh, uh, Pitt State, there was a time uh, where Pitt State – uh, was one of a, a great uh, lower division school. Right. I mean, just a really good team. Dennis Francione used to coach there. Sure. And uh, and anyway, there are the Pitt State Gorillas, and I've always thought I've always thought Gorillas is an underused mascot because you know, <laughs> I mean, who? Uh, let's be honest, who really wants to get in a fight with a gorilla? You Nobody. know. And uh, like bulldogs and tigers are overused, you know. But I think I, I really think gorillas and sharks are a little underused. But um, anyway, so they're the Pitt State Gorillas. And, uh, and so when the opposing team, uh, you know, the Pitt State Gorillas would come out, everybody cheer. So then when the opposing team came out, 
they get this thing stoked up and they play Welcome to the Jungle, full blast. And then, and then they throw bananas out of the stands <laughs> at the opponent as they're coming on the field. I mean, it was just fantastic. Uh. And, uh, and Guns N' Roses would just be, be blaring, Welcome to the Jungle. So what what kind of what kind of dad were you with prom? Did you make your your kids feel comfortable, or were you good about making your kids feel uncomfortable for prom picks? And then how did you deal with the the prom dates? Did you make them feel comfortable, or was it all about kind of trying to to make them squirm? Uh, probably a little of both. I, one, I was kind of ambivalent about it. You know, I mean. So they kind of took care of the pictures and the, they took care of the, uh, uh, you know, how they went to the date, where they went, all that. And, and you know, my uh, kids were, you know, I, I didn't have wild kids. I was blessed that way. <laughs> but I did always I did always threaten them that, uh, that I was going to show up at the prom, that I was just going to show up at the prom and, and uh, just walk in and, and, and wave at him, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, hi, Janine, it's me, your dad, you know, and just yell that out in front of everybody, and that would be hilarious. And I actually kind of wished I'd done it. I didn't, but I kind of wish I did. So how close did you come to doing it? Were you restrained uh, from doing it? Nah, well, my, my wife didn't think it was nearly as funny as I did, and I thought it was pretty funny, but no, nah, I never did do it. I never did do it, but, you know, it's like people don't really regret what they do. They regret what they didn't do, and I think that's probably that's probably one of those things. Is there a, a Mike Leach moment on the mound? Have you ever thrown out the first pitch? You know, I have thrown out the first pitch, and you'll think I'm lying, but I'm not. <laughs> I threw it out at a minor league team. Uh, let me see. I've thrown it out at uh, Texas Tech. At a minor league team in Midland, at a minor league team in Iowa, it seems like I'm missing one. Um, the Houston Astros too. I threw it out at the Houston Astros, and and always invited to do it at the Texas Rangers, but they were during the season and stuff. And the weirdest thing, and I can't do this going out there right now. Now, I mean, I've always been able to throw so to speak, but um, every one of them was a strike. And, I mean, I didn't do that stuff where you go in the fringe of the grass. I'd go to the mound because I'd mess up the mound. I'd make sure they had to rake that mound again. You know, if you're going to have me throw out the opening pitch, no, no, you're raking your mound again. <laughs> and then um, and the other thing is is because you get hustle-bustled in, you don't have time to warm up or anything like that. And I'm a little stunned to say this myself to the positive they've all been strikes every one of them's been a strike and and what's crazy about that is i can't go out there on our practice field right now have somebody hold the glove and get the distance and throw five in a row strikes you know i i could maybe throw it we call it striker ball and i don't walk the guy i mean that could possibly happen but there's no way I throw five in a row strikes. No chance. But for, I don't know, for uh, uh, luck or good karma or something, um, they've all been strikes. Mike Leach with us. It's got to be rising to the moment, man, right? You're feeding off the crowd. Well, and worse yet, you're throwing downhill. 
you know, because you're, I mean, how many times you, how often you think I've thrown off of a mound in the last 40 years or whatever. And um, Five? <laughs> yeah, exactly, five. So, you know, you know, instinctively, you know, you got to aim low. And um, now I do the full windup, too, because you're getting your money's worth. And I'm surprised every time it happens, you know. So what, what's your motion like? Are you a Juan Marichal? Are you Dan Quisenberry, a submarine artist? Mm-hmm. What's, your, what's your motion like? No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of three-quarters. So basically, you know, hands together at the front. And then the most important thing is a guy needs to be able to balance up. I mm-hmm. would say average, average leg kick, but I do kind of, you know, bring it up so it's parallel. And, and, you know, if you're a good pitcher, I used to coach baseball. If you're a good pitcher, you should be able to hold it in that position. I mean, then you're balanced, right? Yeah. So I try to get it to there. So it'll be hands, uh, hands in front, hands over the head as I torque and uh, balance up. And then just try to make sure that foot comes, aims at the glove and my and my arms over the foot, pretty much, you know. And then, oh, I also uh, try to—I also try to stare a hole into the the glove. Never take your eyes off the glove because a lot of times your body will follow your eyes. And then, of course, off that mound, you want to aim a little low because you're not used to throwing that. But again, it's not like you're going to get warm ups. You know, <laughs> no, you don't. They take you underneath the stadium. You know, take a few pictures. Hi, nice to meet you. Glad you're here. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, uh, nowhere to warm up. And you just go throw the sucker, and, and then you get a free baseball. What'd you hit at the gun? Have you been timed? No, no. I do. I'm not trying to be overpowering if I throw in the first pitch. <laughs> you just want to strike. <laughs> I'm just trying to hit it. But the thing is, if you backed off too much, if you back off too much, it's going to alter your motion, and you're not going to be any good. So I, I try to have a nice, smooth, crisp motion. Coach, two trailers have been released in the last two weeks. Uh, you have Better Call Saul that starts up the 18th, and then, of course, the final six episodes of Ozark. Any prediction? What happens to Saul? What happens to Marty Bird? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. It's going to be tough to let either of them go. Um they're certainly going to be tempted to do more mm-hmm. in both cases. I, I don't know on the finale. Um, I think Saul's a little harder to predict, to be honest. Ozarks, I can see Ruth coming away with everything. Yeah. Uh, better call Saul. Now, usually finales on these shows aren't... Um, they're not bad, and I don't want to diminish any of the shows, but... Sometimes the finales can be uh, uncharacteristically bad. Yeah. And, and part of it is because is all the cats are out of the bag. <laughs> you know, you spent however many seasons releasing the cats, and you're just out of cats, you know. Now, there is one exception to that. Like, uh, uh, on one hand, I get the Sopranos finale, yeah. okay? But on the, on the other hand, I don't think anybody was fully satisfied. No. I did think it illustrated the paranoia that collectively you placed yourself in and that you would feel, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ultimate finale of all time, and the best episode of the show, 
was Breaking Bad. The finale of Breaking Bad was outstanding and epic. I mean, just incredible. Like to the point when they did the little movie afterwards, that thing didn't have a chance because, I mean, you're following the the grand finale of Breaking Bad with that. I mean, it's just got no chance, you know. I think I think El Camino plays in to to Saul's ending. I think Jesse and Saul end up up in Alaska together. I I, I yeah, it appears that way. But um, and then I do think it backgrounds stuff a little bit, and it tucks a corner or two in. Mm-hmm. Okay. But how about that? And 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 I and I've talked a lot about Breaking Bad, and it's a it's a very good show. I can't. I don't know. That's my favorite, but because um, actually Saul was my favorite character on that. <laughs> um, yeah, you go to law school, and then uh, <laughs> and then uh, what a finale that was, though. That I mean, was just great. unbelievable. That just an unbelievable finale, and and. And how they arrived at that finale after so many twists and turns and jumps in that plot over the years. The finale of Breaking Bad is just epic. And then because I almost didn't finish Breaking Bad, you know, I started the first season and I thought the first season of Breaking Bad was quite boring. But you have to introduce the characters and there would always be a cliffhanger at the end of each episode. So they drug me along. But it's very important introduce all the characters and the second season did not start out well for me after the third episode i said all right one more if it doesn't pick up i'm out and then i gave it one more well then it explodes you know and then and then you know yeah and throughout you're wondering why they had the name breaking bad and boy it was breaking bad i mean everybody on that play on that show turned bad Mm -hmm. uh remember when everybody on that show was handicapped yeah. For a while, for a while, every character's handicapped. Okay, so the detective's handicapped. The kid's handicapped. Uh, I mean, there and I counted it up. There were like five handicapped, and all at the same time, something broken, something busted, something, you know, gone. And you and I always spend some time on on Breaking Bad. So I got to ask you this as we wrap up, from a travel companion standpoint, would you pick Saul? Jesse or Walt to do a week long trip to anywhere? Uh, definitely not Jesse. He's just he's a schnauzer. He never shuts up. You have to listen to that all the time. <laughs> um, I, I I would I'd pick I'd pick Saul. Saul Saul is incredibly entertaining to me, and I'll tell you. And I I think it was incredible that they did a series better call Saul, of which I've seen all of them. Okay, you got um, caught up. All right. Um. And because uh, when that series was over, which I do have to say this, because usually if, you, you know, there's a point where these series, they last a while. And um, throughout the series, you've let a lot of cats out of the bag to the point where you don't have, have any more cats left in the bag. <laughs> and <clears throat> so then the finale's lousy. Hmm. Like, I think that. I, I honestly think that happened on, on Sopranos. I think Sopranos one of the greatest series ever in, in the history of uh, television. The Sopranos, okay, uh, and, and 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 you know, and for years, you know, you know, they the 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 plot twist, you know, another cat out of the bag, another cat out of the bag, you know, each cat's bigger than the last one. Then they got to the finale. 
which I just think they were out of cats. You know, yeah. they and they were certainly out of cats that they could uh, uh, get accomplished within an hour. Sure. You know, and um, now the Breaking Bad finale was really good, which and it was just amazing that they they could be that good and that effective after how long that series had went, and especially when you consider how it had escalated year after year, uh, uh, show after show. And then, um, and then when the thing was over, you know, the guy that in my case, in my case that I was left wanting more of was Saul. And then, you know, to my pleasant surprise, well, here we got a series better call Saul, you know, except yet to this point, up to this point, it throughout the entire series. And I think we're at the end of two years on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name hasn't been Saul even one time, but anyway, <laughs> nevertheless, it's still good. So Saul's your travel buddy. That's good. That's I good. would have to say. Okay. Uh, he seems like he'd be a good conversationalist. He wouldn't be quite the uh, uh, as melodramatic as uh, as Jesse. Plus, you have to keep track of Jesse. People end up, uh, you know, dead or high or overdosed around him. Mm. Um, you know, Saul gets you into trouble, but you got a fighting chance to get out too. Mike Leach with us, Mississippi State head coach. Did you grow up with a girl in high school like Ruth from Yellowstone? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was Wyoming. I'll tell you this: <laughs> we did have this. Uh, once in a while, those rodeo girls would start fighting over a guy or just be mad about something. <laughs> and so you'd be in the quad and it wasn't unusual I mean not likely maybe but there might be the homecoming queen or not the, the rodeo queen and she might dip you know oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And but anyway especially the rodeo girls but just girls in general you know like on Seinfeld they talk everybody wants to see a girl fight and that's true and then um you know, people pretend they don't, but if you're in high school, you definitely do. And um, and so, I don't know. I remember these two rodeo girls got upset with one another. And so you come to the quad after lunch, mm-hmm. and everybody knows it's going to come down, and they're kind of circling around, and everybody's in their little group looking to see where this girl is, that girl is. And then all of a sudden they bolt towards each other and collide in the middle. And then the other thing, and it's a combination of a fist and claw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A fist and claw, and I, which is honestly quite effective. You know, delivering blows, but also yanking out the handfuls of hair. And they 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 got after it like uh, like Jim uh, uh, in. <coughs> A cat, to say they got after like cats is not quite accurate. Because there's a little more brutality in the punch there. Their daddies had taught them to punch. (laughs) And, and you know, growing up with horses and all that. So then, uh, no, and then it went on for like like three days. Really? At lunch, you go out there again, and they just start bolting for each other. And, um you know, in the end, I'm not sure they weren't cousins um, or distant cousins or something, but I don't know. Um, 
but uh, they, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there, there were some roofs in there. No, there were, no, there weren't all roofs. I mean, Wyoming's a great place, the most straightforward people on earth, and and uh, also typically uh, do, you know, like Mississippi, you know, work mm-hmm. hard, do stuff with their hands that they take for granted that other people are like, what are you doing? You know, what are you touching? What do you, what, you're going to grab that, you know? And they, uh, they, uh, and so the women were tough, you know, but then, you know, also just some, you know, just some very delightful people, just uh, great people. But, uh, no, you didn't want to cross. There's definitely folks you didn't want to cross. How'd you celebrate getting out of grade school? Well, they expected you to get out of grade school back then. Thank you. I mean, is that the wildest thing? We're graduating from everything around here. We're graduating from kindergarten. Uh, fifth grade, with all due respect to your son, and um, and with that, I want to send him my very best wishes on his graduation and, and for graduating fifth grade. He'll always be a hero in my mind. But the thing is, the thing about it is, are you kidding me? I mean, fifth grade's a tweener oh, grade. I can't get out of this. I got to go fifth, tomorrow. I can't get out grade's of it. A, fifth grade's a tweener grade. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, fifth grade's like, Okay. No, I mean, now I don't know how they split it up nowadays, but when I'll be going to junior high next year in sixth. So, oh, really? Because our junior high year was seventh. Okay. Yeah. So, so I guess I I guess if it's a transition to junior high, um, that makes more sense, but still not very much. I mean, (laughs) um, I mean, I don't know what Lincoln's like. But in Cody, Wyoming, there weren't a lot of fifth-grade dropouts running around the street and, uh, you know, little kids with cigarettes rolled up in their T-shirts and, you know, uh, you know thugs uh, beating up the other kids, you know, uh, dead in path. It's and, my soccer uh, ball, Coach. Yeah, yeah riding around in souped-up uh, tricycles or bicycles or, or riding around in souped-up bicycles, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I don't know. It was a, it, when I grew up. It was assumed yeah. you you would successfully get through fifth grade. That was uh, uh, somebody. Uh, I mean, call us arrogant, but we felt like it was our birthright. No, I got you. I got then, you. Um, then, of course, seventh. There's a break in when you go into junior high. You go in there. It's kind of older kids or whatever. And then, see, our junior high had ninth grade too. So. Yep. Yep. Our, our junior high was 7th, 8th, and ninth, which not everybody does it that way. 